0: nothing. And Lord, I want to praise you today for the opportunity that we have as a church family to beget a new church, to send forth a new baby church that will go forth in the power of your might to conquer the darkness of sin that is around us. And Lord, I do pray for your power upon them as they go forth. And I want to pray that your continued blessings will be upon our church family here, Lord, that we would continue to grow and be strong that you would give us souls, that we'd see people drawn closer to you. And I ask you, Lord, to speak to us especially this morning. As we approach your word, you know that we never want to be here and just go through the motions. We don't want to just do the ceremonies or do whatever it is that we do, but we want to meet with you who are the true and living God, and we want to know that you're working in our hearts and our lives. We want to sense that drawing of your Holy Spirit to obedience. And I especially pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't yet know you as Savior, that they will hear enough of the gospel to be able to respond in faith and obedience unto you, that they would trust you before they leave here. As your vessel, once again, I ask you for forgiveness of sins. I ask you for fullness of your spirit. I ask that your name would be honored not only in me, but in those that hear. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks. You may be seated. I'm going to try to go just as hurriedly as I possibly can this morning. I know many of you are uh, anxiously awaiting to see what is over in the Family Life Center as soon as we're dismissed. But We're going we're gonna to feast on the Word of God first. Uh, just look at it from a positive side. We don't have to beat anybody to the restaurants this morning right? Uh, it's all right here. And so, uh, but Ephesians chapter 4 obviously is a passage dealing with the purpose and function of the local New Testament church. As I mentioned, today's service is special because it serves as the launch of a brand new baby church. The Bible often calls the local New Testament church the body of Christ. One of the responsibilities of being the body of Christ is reproduction. Within the context of the church, reproduction occurs in two ways. The first produces internal growth as Christians within the congregation beget new Christians by way of their soul-winning witness. And that's the purpose for our Wednesday evening Bible studies that we've been doing on how to win souls on purpose and teaching you or trying to teach you how to go out and bear witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. The second form of reproduction, I believe, is equally important. And it's the beginning of new churches. This church, by the way, has had the opportunity, the privilege of uh, seeding, if you want to put it that way, number of different churches right here in our area. The uh, Cypress Creek Baptist Church over on the northeast excuse me, northwest side of Houston is a church out of our church. The Pacer, the Iglesia Bautista Pacer, a Spanish speaking church that was seeded out of our church and now. Praise the Lord, the Mosaic Christian Fellowship Baptist Church. I know what they're going to do with that name, but anyway, we're going to <laughs> talk about that as we go through. Uh, but that's being seated this morning, and I believe that that's according to the teachings of Scripture. Uh, the principle of like begetting like is key to our understanding of Scripture. Dogs beget dogs. Uh, by the way, never anything else, Okay. Cats beget cats. Human beings give birth to human beings. Monkeys give birth to monkeys and never vice versa. Christians reproduce Christians and churches reproduce churches. For that reason, I'm excited about what's going on today. I don't say that I approach today without some level of concern. We know that it's rough out there. Just as all parents are concerned over whether the child they've reared will fare well in the wide world, So are our concerns over any fledgling ministry that leaves our nest. We understand that they belong to Christ and not to us. But we can't help feeling a little bit like empty nester parents as we watch our baby walk out into full independence. It's Not necessarily an easy thing for a parent to do. We we knew that the day would come, but we still hover over the young one in a very real sense for the rest of that child's life. Those of you who are parents physically know what I'm talking about. Right, doesn't make any difference if your child is 40 years old. They're still your child, right? And uh, they always will be. And that's kind of where we are with this new church. The point is that while birthing church is a part of what we do, watching them walk out into the big, wide world is not necessarily an easy thing. Our church plan has been meeting for some time now, a little over a year, close to a year and a half, uh, with some help from some of our own and some that they've reached They're ready to begin to establish some level of independence. The purpose of today's special service is to pray God's blessing on them as they go and offer some last words of advice from the pages of God's Word. Since it is the Word of God, it truly amounts to more than advice. It is a very small measure, a blueprint of what it takes to make a ministry successful. Not necessarily in the eyes of the world, but in the eyes of God whom we serve. I speak primarily to Pastor Jackson and his group. But I invite you to listen in because these principles apply to every child of God and to every ministry that names the name of Jesus Christ. As Paul said to his son in the ministry in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 5, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 5, he said, But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and then they catch that last phrase, make full proof of thy ministry. Make full proof of thy ministry. And so as Paul said to Timothy, so say I now to you. I want to challenge you all today, church plant and mother church alike, to do the work of the ministry. And that is what we've chosen as the title of our message this morning, Do the Work of the Ministry. I present the charge using a nicely alliterated five P principles from the scriptures. For successful ministry and I do this so you can remember it and to help me remember what I was going to say all right so just just so we're honest uh, the first thing I want to talk to you about is purpose when we mention purpose we're talking about keeping the main thing the main thing I was so glad to hear Pastor Jackson when he got up here begin his testimony by saying we are called to spread the gospel to all of the world and the Bible tells us in verses 11 and 12 of our text this morning in Ephesians chapter 4 and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. We can go to other places in the New Testament, this obviously being our mission's emphasis month. We've heard not once but several times through the course of this month passages like Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, where the Bible says, Jesus said, speaking to his apostles right before his ascension, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. Pause here for just a moment and say, Pastor Jackson, I'm looking forward to the time when you guys will have to come back over here and use the baptistry to baptize those that the Lord has brought you, allowed you to bring to Christ. That'll be exciting time, won't it? But in the meantime, this is the command. This is the, uh, the marching orders that the Lord has given to us as his churches. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. As we mentioned earlier, these things are to occur simultaneously, both meaning happening at the same time, right? And so we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, that's all the surrounding area, and in Samaria, that's the next-door neighbors. You know, people like to live up there in that pagan mission field of Houston and so forth. Uh, you know, <laughs> you understand we're a little bit of, uh, of uh, levity there, but certainly we have a responsibility to reach those in our Samaria and even in Louisiana and under the uttermost part of the world, Right of the uttermost part of the earth. The command is to go. The command is to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as you go forth as a church plant, remember why you do what you do. Remember that we're not just about doing ceremonies, going through rituals, and having church. One of the problems with a lot of churches these days is we've fallen into the habit of doing religious activity without really understanding the purpose or the call. The call is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, what is that gospel? And I'm so glad you asked. First Corinthians chapter 15. Turn there in your Bibles if you would, please. First Corinthians chapter 15. I don't have this one on the overhead. You'll actually have to do it the old-fashioned way and either look it up on your iPhone. Yeah, old-fashioned way, right? Or in the book. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. Which I preached unto you, which also you've received and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you've believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Here's the gospel. Now that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This, my friend, is the gospel in a nutshell. We go forth preaching, declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ, that when Jesus came to this earth, he came for a reason. And we are that reason. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know that we all outside of Christ stand condemned. We stand guilty in our sins as rebels against God, his plan, and his purpose. And yet, in Jesus Christ, we can come humbly and kneel at the foot of His cross. And by the blood that was shed there on the cross and by the power of His resurrection, we can receive the forgiveness of sins. We can be adopted into the family of God. We can become a part of the great work of God in this earth. And we can look forward to an eternity in heaven with Christ. I don't know about you folks, but I get excited about that. That's truly good news. And this is the message that they're called to go forth and declare. By the way, it's the message that you're also called to go forth and declare. The fact that God, that Jesus Christ loved the world and died for the sins of mankind. Where are you going? How will you get there? And how will you know when you've arrived? All of those things are based on the purpose. What are we about? What exactly is your calling? Are you here just to be another group that occupies another building by the way can i just pause here and say we we really don't need any more of that i can drive down any street in our area and can't drive uh, probably two minutes without a passing some kind of a church somewhere so the, the the lack is not just of another group occupying another building The lack is of a group that will stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ, will truly be a lighthouse in the community, and will preach the gospel of Jesus unto every creature. If we remember that, it gives us purpose for existence. It defines our calling. If we're not careful, we'll actually begin to accept wholeheartedly every new method or approach without examining it in the light of our overall purpose. We'll do whatever works or whatever will draw a crowd rather than remembering that our purpose is to turn people from sin into Christ. Anything that you begin to do, I challenge you to ask yourself the question, will this help you to get there? That is to the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. If not, don't waste your time with it. There are a lot of worthy efforts out there, but the church's call is to the preaching and the declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I also want to ask you to examine everything that you do, as to whether or not it's rooted in sound doctrine. The Bible tells us in Titus, the first chapter in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. I challenge you, Pastor Jackson and those that are going with him, and I challenge you, First Baptist Church, to maintain sound doctrine. That is, that which the Scripture says, that which the Scripture teaches. We're living in a day and time when people would minimize doctrine. It's really kind of foolish to even say that. You understand that doctrine is that which is taught. That's what the word means. So if you minimize doctrine, what are you doing? Just getting together and patting one another on the back? Are you not teaching anything? Are you not preaching anything? Are you not declaring anything? Of course you are. So we need to make sure that that is sound doctrine, that it's rooted on the Word of God. That it's rooted not on the whims of men, but on what God actually says. Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. This is your challenge, Pastor Jackson, as you stand week after week before your congregation. Speak the things which confirm, uh, which become sound doctrine, which, which are proving to sound doctrine. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Can I pause here and say we're living in those times? Men will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You're not called to tell people what they want to hear. You're called to declare the living word of God. Sometimes the living word of God is unpleasant to the ears, especially of those who are away from Christ. But God has called us to declare the truth and to speak that truth in love and trust in the Spirit of Christ to turn people to, uh, from darkness to the light of the Lord Jesus. And so that's our purpose. The second challenge is very similar. I told you I'm giving you an alliterated one this morning. I don't do this very often, but I have fun with it when I do it, right? Uh, the second thing that I want to challenge you with is priority. Purpose and priority are very similar and yet not quite the same thing. I want to take you to Acts chapter 6. Just explain to you what I'm talking about with priority. Acts chapter six, verses one through four. This is the actually uh, the the beginning of the deacon ministry within the church. And in Acts chapter six, beginning verse one, it says, "In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews." Let me just pause here and say, murmuring tends to go with the territory sometimes. That's not to say that God condones it. He certainly doesn't. But any time you get two or three people together, you're going to have a little bit of, sooner or later, there's going to be a little bit of undercurrent. Let's put it that way. And so you want to be sure that you deal with those things according to the Scripture when they come up. But he said there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration now this is going to be dealt with uh, properly correctly according to the biblical pattern but verse 2 says then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said it's not reason that we should leave the word of god and serve tables it said that makes sense that we should stop preaching and start waiting on tables in essence and so in verse 3, says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of, Holy Go- of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom, that we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, the reason I read this passage is because there are so many things that the church can get involved in, especially there are so many things that the pastor can get involved in, that sometimes it's hard to distinguish what's important and what's not. Right? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I told the church last week, we went out to Arizona and preached a missions conference for the church out there. By the way, I bring you uh, salutations from the DeCunas and the ministry uh, out in Dudleyville, Arizona. Uh, but one of the things that I observed to them is that we have uh, many things with which to fill our time. There are a whole lot of things that we can do, but not all of them are conducive to our purpose, Right? And so it's easy to get distracted just by doing stuff. I've been in the ministry going on close to 40 years now. And quite frankly, there have been many times in my ministry when uh, I've gotten distracted by doing what I call putting out small fires. You know, you're running around stamping out fires and you're not doing the work of the ministry. It's easy to fill your days with activity that doesn't fit with your call. This is kind of amusing to me in a sense, and I present it for what it's worth this morning, but the thinking has long been prevalent that the preacher, the Dominique, has to do everything. I have to tell you, how having had the privilege of starting churches in in Mexico, when we first started out, literally, you, you, you do everything. You're, you're the preacher, you're the song leader, you're uh, the nursery coordinator, you're the visitation director, uh, you're the trash carrier outer, uh, you're the toilet washerer, uh, you're the, you know, everything else that has to be done, uh, the preacher has to do it. So the preacher is often expected to do everything from visitation to repair work, from preaching to cleaning, from praying to running personal errands. Uh, For individuals within the church from sitting at a desk studying and doing paperwork to visiting every family in the church every two weeks. Right. Uh, From Sunday school superintendent to choir director to principal prayer and preacher. All of those responsibilities oftentimes fall on the pastor. Now, I'm not complaining, and please don't take it as such, but remember, if you will, that every believer is a part of the body. Every believer has a function. Every believer has a ministry that God has given to him or to her. We're all supposed to serve the Lord. I don't believe that God has called any of us to sit, right, and stew, uh, it's amazing how sitting and stewing always seem to go together. That's a different sermon. I'll preach about that one of these days, all right? But for right now, just remember that every believer has a part. Every believer has a function. You, Everyone within the body that Christ has called you to serve and minister to has something that God wants them to do, and part of your responsibility is to discover that and put them to work. Many of us enjoy doing a lot of the different things that I've mentioned already, and that's why we're so easily distracted by them. But there's, And there's nothing essentially or inherently wrong with any of those things. There has to be a willingness to do whatever it takes to get the job done. But we should never let that replace our call. Remember the purpose. And by the purpose, establish your priorities. What are the things that are important? I'm not going to presume to tell you what all of your priorities ought to be. I understand that the basics that we are to preach, the Word that we are to win souls, that we are to edify the body, that we are to prepare the saints for the work of the ministry. How you do that is between you and God. Every preacher, every church is different. Even Pastor Dominique and myself are not exactly the same. Did you notice? Right? And yet, uh, and yet we love the same God and we're called to the same purpose. And we, we, uh, how we go about that oftentimes is different. So what I'm trying to tell you is that unless you establish some priorities based on the purpose that God has called you to and based on the clear teachings of the Word of God, uh, what's going to happen or what's going to be... Uh, if you don't establish those purposes as to what is important in your ministry, then you'll always be pulled so many different ways that before you know it, you'll wake up one day and found that you've been torn in pieces and your ministry will suffer. So I'm calling you on a daily basis And on a weekly basis, a church body to establish your priorities according to the scriptures. Remember, a lesson that Moses had to learn, and it wasn't an easy lesson for him, and it's not an easy lesson for us. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 9, I spake unto you at that time, saying, I am not able to bear you myself alone. I think this is probably one of the hardest things that Moses ever had to say. Think about it with me for just a moment. Moses is a great leader. Moses is a man that was called of God to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, to deliver them from slavery, to change drastically the whole way of their life. And yet this is a man who at one point in his life took things into his own hands and tried to deliver them by sheer force of strength. And, of course, that led to about 40 years of downtime on the backside of the desert as he was preparing for God to use him. And then as he led forth the people of Israel, he saw the mighty hand of God working time after time, providing food, providing water, opening the Red Sea, leading the people of Israel, protecting them from the bites of venomous serpents, all of these different things. And yet Moses had to come to the place where he said, you know what, I can't do it all myself. I can't bear your burden alone. Deuteronomy 1 and verse 12, how can I myself alone bear your cumbrage or your cumbrance and your burden and your strife? Moses said, I've come to the realization that I can't do this by myself. Pastor Jackson, you can't do it by yourself. You've got the power of the Spirit of Christ in you, but God is going to give you over the course of time good people that will continue to carry forth the ministry. And so I challenge you and your group, and I challenge First Baptist Church, let's establish some priorities. Based on the purpose of our call, And let's go forth and serve God effectively in that call. Thirdly, what is it going to take to make a successful ministry in the eyes of God? We probably should have started here. Prayer. Prayer. Books have been written on the necessity of prayer. And no one has yet exhausted the subject. We are dependent people. The sooner we realize that we can truly do nothing on our own, but that all must be done by the power of the Spirit of Christ that is in us, the better off we are. The sooner we realize the power of supplication, of prayer, the better off we are. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1 says it this way, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, real deep passage of Scripture pray without ceasing i think at one time i taught a six week a series of messages on preaching and didn't even skim, uh excuse me on prayer a series of messages on prayer and didn't even skim the surface the point is that until we learn the secret of spirit led prayer we're going to be floundering around in the dark this is perhaps the most important activity in which the church as a whole is to be engaged it certainly is essential for the pastor and those realizing the work of the ministry. Prayer is the only way to make certain that our ministry is in line with God's will. It's the only way to make sure that we are following His leadership and not going off on our own whims. To borrow from the late, great Torrey, let me just put it this way. Prayer promotes spiritual growth within the body of Jesus Christ. Prayer avails for the conversion of others. If you're not praying for the lost, then you're not involved in the ministry that God has commanded us to be involved in. Prayer brings blessings to the church, and prayer brings power into your word. Make certain that this new church is a praying church if you want to be successful in the eyes of God. Next, I want to challenge you to power. Simple word, word directly dependent on all that's gone before it. We're living in a day and time, and I think you've probably been witness to it, we're living in a time when when people generate power through all kinds of artificial means and methods. Can I be honest with you? Unfortunately, many times the church service on a Sunday morning has degraded into nothing more than some kind of a performance wherein we try to get people emotionally engaged, and I'm not saying that that necessarily in and of itself is wrong, but what I'm saying is that we we substitute the power of God with all kinds of noise and lights and uh, excitement that's artificially produced. When essentially the Bible calls us to the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Go back, if you would please, with me to a passage that we read at the beginning, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power. Pause there for a moment. Where does all power reside? Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. But then I find it interesting that on the basis of that power, on the basis of the authority that has been vested in Jesus Christ himself, the command it is given, go ye therefore. Jesus said, I've got the power, now you go and teach all nations. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, again a passage that we've read numerous times through the course of our mission's emphasis. Acts 1 and verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, the othermost part of the earth. When will you receive power? After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why do we wait so long? It's because the power is in the Holy Spirit. He is the power for the work. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, the Bible says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And then I love First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. And in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Power is given to the church directly by Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you can work up out of artificially. Now you may deceive some people for a while by artificially generated power. But sooner or later that generator is going to fail. And unless you've got the living power of the Holy Spirit living and working within you and through you, then it's going to sputter out and fail. You've got to depend on the power of the Spirit. Power is evidence of the grace of God. Acts 4 and verse 33, With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord, and great grace was upon them. You will know that the grace of God is being manifest in your ministry when the power of the Spirit of God is there. Power identifies you with Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Jesus relied on the power of the Holy Spirit of God in his earthly ministry. I find that, that that's astounding to me. God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, relied on the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of his ministry. Can you do any less? Power is based on the message of the gospel, not on your expertise or your method of delivery. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. First Corinthians 1 and verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Verse 24, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. My challenge to you, Mosaic Christian Fellowship Baptist Church, as you go forth from us, is to remember from whence cometh your power. And always remember to do the work of the ministry in the power of the Spirit of Christ and through the power of the gospel of Christ. In your ministry, any any efficiency in your ministry will will be wrought by the power of God. Anything else is wood, hay, and stubble, and will be consumed in the day of judgment. And I finish with this: fifth P, do the work of the ministry through purpose, priority, prayer, power, and perseverance. You want a ministry that will last. I don't mean to scare you know, toss out frightening statistics. But the reality is that most church plants fail. Most do. Why? Because they're being done by the power of man many times rather than the power of God. And so my challenge to you is to perseverance. This challenge also goes forth to our people. By that I mean faithfulness. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards, what? That you run 150 in Sunday school for the first year. Oh, no, that's not in there, is it? It's required in stewards that you build multi-million dollar plant within the first 10 years. Oh, that's not in there either. What is in there? Required in stewards that a man be found faithful. What does faithful mean? Faithful means doing what you're supposed to do. Being where you're supposed to be. Preaching what you're supposed to preach. Being in season, out of season. Reproving, rebuking, exhorting with all long suffering and doctrine. You must remain faithful regardless of results. You must remain faithful in spite of people. People who are detractors, people who are naysayers, people who are discouragers, or even rebels. Casual attenders, unfaithful members, you're going to face all of these things. Even well-meaning distractors who will throw other things in your path so that you can't effectively serve God. You must remain faithful because of God's long-suffering. Because He is faithful who hath called us. You must remain faithful because of the unspeakable honor of the gospel ministry. Folks, listen. It is no small thing to be called the church of the living God. Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It is him upon whom we depend. You must remain faithful in order one day to hear his well-done, good, and faithful servant. Very simple message this morning. Nothing new. Nothing profound. And yet there's a lot of truth in it. What are the keys to a successful church plant? I believe the keys exist in these five Ps. Having a firmly established purpose rooted in the Word of God. Setting your priorities accordingly. Praying and praying and praying again. Asking God to work that he might give you his power on the ministry that you are to realize. And then just stay faithful. Just keep on keeping on. Just keep on doing what you're supposed to be doing until death comes or Jesus comes back again. That's our call. That's our purpose. That's what we're about as First Baptist Church. That's what you better be about as you go forth. Because anything else is just a waste of time. This is the work of God, my brother. This is the work of God. And we must look at it soberly as such. Unless God build the house, (laughs) the Bible says they labor in vain that build it. And our prayer for you is that God would bless the work of your ministry. I'm going to ask you, if you would please, church, to stand with me. We're going to vary things just a little bit at this point. We are going to have just a verse or two of invitation. We do this in case there may be someone here this morning who's not yet certain of your eternal destiny. You're here. You don't know forever where you're going to spend eternity when you die. We don't want you to leave here in that condition. And so we would invite you to come as we begin to sing in just a moment. We want to take the word of God and introduce you to Christ. There may be people here this morning who have seen something in the message and have been convicted by the Spirit of God about something in your life that needs to be changed. But we're just, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, we're only going to sing one verse, maybe two, and then we're going to move into the closing part of our service today. And so if you're going to respond, please do so quickly. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're going to do. I pray your blessings now on our brief invitation and on the ceremony that follows. In Jesus' name, amen. 42 just as i am just as i am with I- a-